a message of hope and good news for you. The program today is part of a series of programs called Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. And the topic uh, for today is why some don't believe the Bible. Hello again, my radio friends. This is Len speaking. It's good to share the message of hope and good news in the fourth of this series entitled Give Me the Bible. Thank you for joining me today. Last program, we looked at several non-prophetic evidences that the Bible is a book that has supernatural origin and you can trust what it says as being truth. Strangely enough, there are many who do not trust its ancient words and regard it with doubt or even disdain. Someone said to me once, Ah, I can believe about Jesus, but all that Old Testament stuff is nothing more than a collection of stories, myths and legends. At the time, I didn't have the presence of mind to tell him that much about Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament, and Jesus himself often referred to the Old Testament as a statement of fact. Jesus never said anything about the Old Testament being mythical or unbelievable. So what is the reason behind why many, often really nice people, disregard what the Bible says? Why do many people who have a Bible never open it up and look inside to see what it says? You would think that a book which has survived for centuries, a book which is held in high esteem by many others, and a book which is the world's most popular, would be treasured by everyone. I suggest to you that from about the mid-1800s there has been a change in people's thinking, a change in what we would describe as their world view, so that they regard other ideas as being more relevant than what the Bible teaches. I believe this change came about following the publication of Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species, at the time when the theory of evolution began to become popular. As a teenager in high school, 
I was subjected to this theory of evolution and it challenged what I already knew about how the world and what is in it came into existence. My existing information was from the Bible and here at school I was being taught something completely at odds with what I knew. It is my strong opinion now that we children were being brainwashed with this evolutionary theory. I think it's also surprising that the education authorities were not prosecuted for promoting these unproven ideas and for filling the minds of children with unsubstantiated theory. Later on, when I was involved in education myself, a memorandum was sent to all government schools that any teachers who dared to teach creationism instead of evolution ran the risk of losing their jobs. I was one of those teachers. Things have moved on from my high school days so that what is being presented in schools, in documentaries, in books and in universities is no longer considered the theory of evolution but the fact of evolution. There have been court cases where the teachings of the Bible have been rigorously challenged by the pro-evolution lobby. Not everyone, however, has accepted the theory of evolution and there are many scientists who lead research in many fields of scientific disciplines who ask questions and provide evidence that cannot be answered by the evolutionary theory. So, there exists a dichotomy, that is, an opposition of views. In one corner are those who maintain the truthfulness of the Bible and its accounts of origins, and in the other corner, are those who hold the evolutionary view. So which view does one choose? Should I choose the popular view or the biblical view? It is obvious that many people in society today have abandoned the Bible teachings on origins and in so doing regard the rest of the Bible teachings with suspicion. Hence, the Bible is left unread and misunderstood. So, what are the baseline ideas regarding origins? One view, the creationist view based on the Bible, in its opening chapters in Genesis, 
is that the heavens and the earth came into existence because a pre-existing, powerful, supernatural being, God, created them. The opposing view held by evolutionists is that things came into being without any intelligent intervention. In other words, they were the product of mere chance, where things self-organised and where there was no pre-existing plan. The creationist view says that man was made by God in his own image. The evolutionist view says that man happened to become what he is by a whole series of undirected steps. And so, influenced by scientists and other thought leaders, who are often regarded as superior to Mr. and Mrs. Ordinary Citizen, the evolutionary view of origins is considered plausible and therefore, by implication, the Bible must be wrong. As a consequence of that, many people feel they cannot trust the Bible. And this is a message of hope and good news for you. Give me the Bible with Uncle Len. Right now we are going for we are going for a short break and we'll be back in a minute.
we were saying how many people faced with the two different views have rejected the Bible because they think they can't trust it. In my teen years at school, I faced the same dilemma. What should I trust as truth? One of our high school textbooks was a hardcover book called The Ages of Man. In there, it taught the traditional Darwinian line that over millions of years, one species of creature, through a process of mutation and natural selection, turned into another. For example, some frogs turned into fish. Some fish took to the land and became reptiles. And in some time, or in time, some reptiles took to the air and became birds, and so on. Monkeys walked upright, lost their hair and tails, and became men and women. One day, after the lesson, one of my classmates and I went to the teacher with a question. Although we were not aware of it at the time, it is a pivotal issue in determining the validity of the evolution theory. Without a satisfactory explanation to this simple question, the theory of evolution falls flat on its face. Sir, we asked, if all these changes took place, where is the fossil evidence? If there are, if there are fossils of fish and there are fossils of lizards, are there any fossils of physids? that is, the so-called intermediate species. The teacher was quite embarrassed. He had no answer. Surely the finding of intermediate species fossils would have provided conclusive evidence that evolution was true and correct. Since then, Evolutionists have been trying to find fossils of these so-called intermediate species but have come up with a blank. They keep saying that they will find them but they have already had 150 years and by now they should have found countless millions. But like Mother Hubbard's cupboard, the cupboard is bare. Those fossils have not been found simply because they are not there. The theory is wrong and simply cannot be trusted. More and more research is revealing that the biblical record of origins is becoming increasingly persuasive and increasingly embarrassing for the evolutionists. I share these things with you as I too had to make up my mind as to what is truth and what is error regarding origins. Some of you may be wondering about these issues too.
it is not possible to prove either evolution or creationism, as no one was there to witness it. However, based on its track record of accuracy, I am satisfied that the Bible has the right answers. I'm not a scientist, although I have a son who is one. There are two other issues taught by evolutionists which concern me. The first is, if things developed by chance, how come everything seems to be so orderly and organised? How come, for example, that our noses are high up on our bodies, with nostrils pointing down? with hairs and cilia and mucus to filter the air. If noses developed by chance, why are they not on our legs or feet for that matter? Why are they not pointing upward? It could be a problem in the rain. And why don't we have eyes in the back of our heads and extra limbs? Has evolution suddenly stopped? It looks to me that what we are and what we observe in nature shows powerful evidence of design. The other issue is to do with mutation. If man developed from amoeba, where did all the extra genes come from? Mutation does not produce more genes. Mutation generally is the result of damaged existing genes, resulting in deformity, disease, or most often, death. There are many other things which make me distrust the evolutionary theory but I would like to bring to your attention something stated by Charles Darwin, something not well publicised. He was puzzled as to what agent or agencies brought about life and could not come up with any satisfactory naturalistic answer. He said this, and I must therefore suppose that there is a principle of first cause and for that reason must admit that there has to be a God. I can't certify the exactness of this quote, but I remember reading it some time ago. If Darwin himself admitted that there must be a God whom he regarded as the origin of life, why should I not trust the Bible which reveals this God? So, why do so many people disregard the sacred words of this sacred book, the Bible? It is my contention that they have become caught up in a movement which has an appearance of plausibility, 
is currently popular and disregards God, the Creator who made them, and who must be answered to. I am aware that some of you may be troubled because you have understood evolution to be a plausible theory. Yet the more I read about the creation-evolution debate, it is the scientists who explain things in terms of creationism or intelligent design who seem to be coming up with the best arguments. As I see it, the evolution theory has taken some serious challenges from both its own scientists and creation-oriented scientists. In my mind, I see the theory of evolution as a rusty bucket with band-aids covering its many holes. Each time a new hole develops, another band-aid has to go on to stop the leaks. On the other hand, the Bible, although it has been attacked over the centuries, remains steadfast as the Word of God. When put to the test for its accuracy, it comes up true every time. Evolution, despite its popularity, offers no hope for your future and presents no dignity for mankind. The Bible presents man as made in the image of God and gives him dignity. The Bible also presents hope for the future. I intend to share with you in an upcoming program about what the Bible says about hope for the future. Be listening next week when I would like to share with you about what is troubling the world and where it all started. May the God of this grand old book, the Bible, grant you peace, joy and fulfilment until you join me again next time. This is a message of hope, and thank you for being with us today. Until next time, Uncle Len and Nick will say goodbye.